Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yes, well, one more time, I want to say thank you for joining us live online. This isn't recorded. It's 11.43 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And, and yeah, who, you're watching people right there. What's going on? Yolanda Johnson and Jesus Gote. I see you guys. You're just signing on. I love it. I love it. I love being able to be connected. Yeah, we love uh, technology. And, uh, man, we're just leaning in during this uh, unique season. And I just want to say, man, the Lord's doing so much even through it, uh, and specifically in our church. It's just, I, I wish I could, we could spend two hours talking about the testimonies we've received of how uh, Jesus is really, really, really speaking to yeah. people in our church and using people in our church to not only serve the community, but literally share the gospel. And so people are, you know, uh, inquiring about Jesus. And I, I don't know, it's really, we're, we want you to know we're not discouraged whatsoever. We're excited for what the Lord's doing. And based on what our governor said, we might be getting to meet sooner than later. So whoop, whoop. we're going to keep praying and believing that. Hey, uh, we, we've been in this series entitled, what does the Bible say about dot, dot, dot. And really what spurred this, this, uh, series was we were getting questions early on when this thing, uh, opened up this pandemic opened up, we had all kinds of people contacting us, asking us questions about topics uh, uh, that really are connected to what's going on. So for instance, sickness, did God send this uh, to, to the earth as judgment? And you know, so, so, so okay, so we addressed that. We talked about uh, what does the Bible say about sickness? Last week, we talked a little bit about end time. Are we, is this the end of the world, right? And so we approached uh, the end times a little bit. And, you know, these last few weeks, uh, you know, people have been laid off, uh, furloughed. People are losing income. I've talked to business owners that are really struggling right now, and they're afraid uh, in, in, when it pertains to their finances. There's a lot of stress right now because uh, people are afraid of what's going on in their personal finances. And so with that, the negative side effects of that is panic attacks. It's, 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 uh, str- it's um, struggle within relationships and marriages. And, and so relationship issues and stress. And, and so today, just for a couple of minutes here, uh, we want to speak to that. We want to talk about money. We want to talk about your finances. We want to go to the scripture and see what the Bible has to say in regards to our finances. And to be honest, babe, I mean, this is, you know, we've always been a little bit hesitant to being obedient to what the Lord is saying, because he's been speaking to us the last, I don't know, month or so that we need to teach on this. We need to address uh, this fear and this anxiety when it comes to our finances. And to be totally honest, we've been hesitant uh, just because uh, sometimes people receive this information uh, the wrong way. Sometimes we're, we're misunderstood. And so because of that um, risk of being misunderstood on this topic, uh, sometimes we just, we just uh, we're hesitant. And it does, it's not that we don't want to. We just don't want to be misrepresented or misunderstood. Well, I think what happens is that the enemy knows the power that truly can be unleashed in our lives when we have a proper perspective about finances. And so what he does is he'll convince some people to swing so 
far in one direction and miscommunicate it and manipulate it so that the rest of us are terrified to even broach the subject, right? So some of you are even at home right now. Oh, no, I know that pastor is not about to talk about my money. Okay, well, you know what? Friends, hear our heart. You know, we're going to talk about perspective of finances. Hear us right now. Please know that in no way do we want to be offensive. And you know what? If if talking about this is offensive, then you know what? Maybe you just want to visit next week, right? Because we'll be talking about a cheery subject of Mother's Day. It'll be amazing. And then no one will be offended. No, I think it's so important. The enemy has really caused so much in our culture, especially Christian culture, to swing so far in an opposite direction so that the enemy has control and power in our lives concerning our finances. They play a huge role in our life. Uh, and so we want this conversation to be a blessing. You know, we're in this season right now where, of course, we're going to continue to teach, but we really want to even focus more of our efforts, and we've been talking about this the last several weeks, in equipping you. We, we want to bless and help equip, equip the saints to not only attend a church, but to be the church. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I'm a part of Church for All Nations that understands this. So let this be an encouragement to you as we talk a little bit about this. Babe, you know, I was uh, thinking about this week, um, you know, as we were preparing this content, content, I was thinking about little Izzy when she was learning how to ride a bike. And uh, man, those are some great memories. And it was the first time she's my she's our firstborn, so it was the first I got to be the dad and run behind. You know, the whole I got to do that, and it's pretty magical. I'll never forget it. And we're working on Fulton this summer, but I can remember when we first I started teaching her how to ride a bike. And I before I ever let her get on the saddle, right? Uh, I explained to her the principles, the science behind riding a bike. I even explained to her Newton's law of centrifugal force, okay? And and as you pump your legs on the pedals, we've all done this, uh, the science behind that, it propels us forward and it allows us to stay balanced and to move forward. And so I explained this to her. And so she's like, okay, dad, okay, little girl, you know? And I can remember getting her, you know, got on that little pink, the little, you know, the little pink bike from Walmart with the streamer, streamers on the little basket. And she was all excited with her unicorn helmet, you know. And I remember uh, that as we, you know, I started helping her and stuff, she was doing it for a while. And then I let go of her. And of course, we were in grass, so we were safe. But she took her feet off of the pedals and put them down on the ground and started doing this number. She started trying to ride the bike by kicking her feet on the ground, and sure enough, it didn't get her very far. In fact, she ended up falling over. And you know what she said when she stood up? She said, there's something wrong with the bike. I need a different bike, Dad. I said, no, you don't need a different bike, honey. You just need to apply the principles that I taught you of pedaling, right? She says, no, I don't. I know how to ride a bike, but there's something wrong with this bike. And I said, I'm telling another, she's like, well, let me, I want to ride my friend's bike. So we have a little neighbor down the street and we, uh, she let her, she let Izzy use that bike and sure enough, she did the exact same thing. Feet came off and she tried to do it with it. And finally she ended up falling over. And it wasn't until she received 
my counsel and my teaching, and she allowed me to help her. She finally figured it out, and once she figured that thing out, man, she was off, and she's never looked back. In fact, I can't get her off that bike. In fact, we're getting, we're getting her a new one because she's grown so tall now, and all she talks about is riding her bike, and she applied the principle of pedaling to her bike. She didn't need another bike. She needed to apply right? The principles of riding the bike. And what a perfect illustration of so many of us when it pertains to our finances. So so many of us approach our finances this way. You see, we don't see our money in the right way. We lack perspective. We're, We're missing the way we're supposed to look at our finances. We're missing the basic biblical principles. We aren't applying the methodology that we read in scripture to our personal finances, and it's messing us all up. So what we do is we say, here it is. No one watching here has done this, but someone else, okay? We, 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 we say things like this. If I can only just get a different job. Once I get a different job, everything's going to change and my finances will be healed. And so they hop into that job and they find out, you know what? This isn't the job either. If I find it. And so they spend all this time jumping from job to job when all along it was, had a whole lot more to do with the way they approached their financial situation. Maybe someone's watching. It's like, man, if I could just If I could just get out of this marriage, I'm telling you what, he doesn't even know what he's doing. If I could get a husband who actually knows what's going on, man, with our, with our wisdom combined, I'm telling you, we will take off. I got to leave this dude. And I I say it kind of lighthearted, but people have done that. They leave. Oh man, he, he doesn't, or she doesn't know what she, I I need a wife that can, and, and, and they jump into another marriage. And sure enough, they find out that it has nothing to do with the person necessarily has more to do with the way they approach their finances. And, 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 and so the way you see money matters. And here's the thing I want to say. If you get this wrong, it complicates every other facet of your life. It has an impact on every other area of your life. And so what I want you to know is God knows this about us. Yep. <laughs> he, he knows that this is a huge struggle for us. And friends, I want to know that he wants us to talk about it. In fact, we don't talk about this enough in the church for all of the reasons that we laid out, but the Bible is very clear about it. In fact, Jesus himself is recorded in the Bible twa- talking about money twice as much as heaven and hell. Think about that. Jesus spoke to money the short window of his ministry, that three years. He spoke about money and possessions twice as much as heaven and hell. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables talk about money. There are over 500 verses in scripture about about prayer and faith, but there are actually 2,000, over 2,000 passages of scripture in regards to money and possessions. And so the question is, why is that? And the answer to that is because this is more spiritual than you think. Yep. Jesus explained it like this. Look with me at Matthew 6. In verse 21, Jesus said, out of his mouth, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Wherever you put your treasure, your heart's going to follow it, friends. Jesus said that. And I have to tell you that there's nothing that the God of the universe wants more than your heart. Come on. There is nothing that your spouse wants more than your heart. There's nothing that your children want more than your heart. And we see in scripture that where we place our treasure, our heart's going to automatically follow. So you need to understand that because there is a spiritual tie between our wallet our money, our perception of finances, there's a spiritual tie between that and our heart. And for that reason, because everyone else in in our world that's important to us wants our heart as well, it has that ability to complicate everything. It has the ability to literally mess with every area of your life if you have an improper view of finances, an improper perception. And so you have to understand that literally your finances and your perception of your finances, it's spiritual. It's so much more spiritual than it is natural. And so we need to begin to have conversations and understanding about our finances in the spiritual. Look with me. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Jesus is telling a parable about the management of possessions and money. In verse 13, he says, no servant can serve two masters. That's kind of one of those duh moments, right? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. And here's the key that you're going to want to underline in your Bible. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I chose the New King James Version because of that word mammon. And in a lot of your translations, you'll see the word money. But I have to tell you, that's not the fullness of that interpretation. I want you to circle the word mammon because it's important to understand the derivation of that word. In the original language, the word that was there in the Greek, we don't have an actual English word for it. So they created this word mammon as what we call a transliteration. That's what we call in theology, a transliteration to help us to better understand the principle. Now that word mammon actually comes from a Syrian deity. It's an ancient Syrian god that literally came out of Babylon that was the god of finances, the god of riches, wealth, and greed. Now think about that. The God of riches and wealth and greed that came out of Babylon. Well, if you don't know, Babylon literally means, I have it written here, sown out of confusion. So don't let me lose you here. I want you to get this principle. Jesus is telling us there's God's principles And then there's this principle, all of these principles, these lies that are being sold to us by this spirit of mammon that has come from hell, literally to confuse you, to confuse the way you think about riches, to confuse the way you think about wealth and your finances. It's selling you lie after lie. 
and it's sown in confusion. And so I need for you to understand that today, that this lie, this spirit that lies to us about riches and wealth runs rampant in our culture, especially in the United States, especially today, friends. And we were actually looking at, uh, one of our mentors showed us a book that was released a few years ago, and it's, it's called The Day America Told the Truth. Okay, and it's a book that listed all of these polls. And in this one specific, they asked a huge number of Americans, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Hello. What would you do? What? I don't even want to know. No, we won't go there. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? And I want you to see these answers that people gave anonymously. I want you to see this because I need for you to understand just how rampant this spirit of mammon is, is literally reigning in, in our culture and lying to people, confusing the way that they should perceive finances. 25% said that for $10 million, they would abandon their entire family. Peace, peace, I am out of here. That's crazy. See you later. Man. Going with the cash. (laughs) 23% said that they would become a prostitute for a week or more. My goodness. 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship. 10% said that they would withhold testimony, letting a guilty murderer go free. Are you kidding me? How would you even sleep at night? 7%, this is crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. 7% says that they would straight up kill a stranger. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, I what? 3%, Jesus help us. 3% says that they would put their children up for adoption. Now, I know some of you have been homeschooling for six weeks and y'all are like, hey, I'll do that for free. What's up? <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't do that. We love our babies. No, but it's crazy because it's, it's just a slight picture right. into how we have literally bought into this crazy lie from the spirit. And so with that, we, we want to help remove this lie uh, that has uh, snuck its way mm-hmm. into so many families it's broken marriages, it's distorted the way that we actually do life every single day. We've accepted this, not just when I say the world, I mean outside of the church. This is rampant in the church too, this this spirit of confusion concerning money and greed. And and so what we want to do is we want to infuse you. We want to encourage you. We want to direct you to the word of God. And his word uh, has the power to set you free in this area. So today, just for a couple more minutes here, um, there's not some, I'm not, we're not launching some uh, obscure financial capital campaign. This isn't like a bait and switch at the end where we're going to like guilt you into starting, you know, to, to give to the church or something. No, no, no. Um, we, this church has been in this community for over a hundred years. God continues to have his hand on church for all nations. He's continuing to financially keep us afloat and opening doors. And it's, it's amazing thing. This is, this is more about you today. This is about breakthrough in your personal finances, and your family if you start applying some of these uh, phenomenal biblical principles to your life. And so what we want to do is we want to give you three questions. If you're taking notes, we want to give you three questions that we believe 
will help you to check your perspective, meaning the way you see your money. So here's the first question. If you're taking notes, write this down. And that is, what is real security? What I want you to know is one of the lies of the enemy will try to sell you that money provides security. And we, we even have this phrase, this phrase that we throw around quite a bit, and that is uh, f- uh, uh, financial security, being financially secure. Oh, I'm doing everything I can so that I can be financially secure. And friends, if nothing else, uh, this pandemic that we're in right now has shown us that there really is no such thing. Uh, that in the middle of one of the best economies uh, the U.S. has on record, in the middle of this, of this explosion in our economy, within weeks, something that we can't even see, something that isn't even visible to the naked eye can wipe the whole thing out. Now, here, here's what I, I, I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about uh, not being financially responsible. I'm not talking about that. It's a good thing to be responsible with your finances. What I'm talking about is um, finding 100% of your security in your finances. I want you to know, my friends, it's an illusion because here's what happens. When things happen that are outside of our control, all of that can change, change just like that. We're seeing that with this pandemic that we never would have thought would have been coming down the pike. And here we are, not even two months into this thing. And there's been financial destruction across the entire globe. You know, I was, uh, uh, you know, I'm a big Steve Jobs fan, the late Steve Jobs. Obviously, many of you know that he was the, uh, the creator of Apple innovator, brilliant dude. And uh, now the Apple empire is really a result of what he did. And, you know, I was, uh, I was reading uh, some of the, uh, the things that he said on his sick bed on at 56 year old, he succumbed, he passed away uh, from pancreatic cancer. And it was fascinating. I was even reading what he said once again, early this morning. And uh, he said a lot of things, but I can't read them all. But really, uh, the, the takeaway, the theme of what he said, this billionaire, uh, many times over, all the power you could ever want, all the money you could ever want, the theme of the final few things that he said was wrapped around if he would have known that this was the way his life was going to end. If he would have known that he'd be dead by the age of 56 years old, he would have approached his life differently. Specifically, he would have looked at his finances, his money, his wealth in a completely different light, and he would have used his money in a different way. He he would have done life totally different. In fact, I'm reminded, look at Proverbs 18, verse 11. This is what the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, had to say about money. He said, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Okay, now get that picture in your mind. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Now watch this. He goes on to say, they imagine, underline that word imagine, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. The question is, that word imagine, well, they imagine, what do you mean? Well, because it's not real. 
It's not, a, it's, it's not a real thing. And so they imagine that their wealth is this four to five wall that, to be quite honest, is just simply an illusion. In fact, I was uh, thinking about the, uh, the, the great theologian, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G. He said it like this, more money, more problems. That'll preach. That'll preach, right? Now, he wasn't, he wasn't a theologian. He was a hip-hop artist, but, and a good one for that matter. But man, the more wealth we obtain, the more problems that come, and not just problems from people trying to get at you and all this stuff, problems that happen in our mind. We start leaning on that and finding this false sense of security that can go away just like that. Go to the scripture, Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 13. By the way, I love the book of Hebrews. I've been reading it the last week or so. Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 5. This is what scripture says. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Not, not money, just the wrong perspective of it. It's not your security. God is your security. So it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. We're trying to teach this to our children right now. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say this with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Today, my friend, he is our source. He is the one that provides. And we find our security in that reality. I think it's so important. Someone needs to hear that. You need to let that verse truly sink into your spirit, that your security never has been money. It never has been earthly wealth and that God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He has you. Not only does he have you, he is your helper. And so any fear you have, that is not from him. Give it to him today. I love what Ecclesiastes 5 says in verse 10. It says, whoever loves money... Not whoever has money. No, 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 no. Remember, we're talking about the perspective, the obsession with it, where you're putting your security. Whoever loves money never has enough. Have you met those people? I have. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And I love that it concludes the thought with that phrase. This too is meaningless. What is that talking about? The idea there is that you cannot find your meaning when you're holding on to the love of money. You can't find your purpose when your only purpose is to gain more income, more wealth. God has a very specific, unique assignment and purpose for you, friends. He has a mission that he designed you for. And it doesn't have to do with the love of money. Hey, friends, it may have to do with earning money. We have friends that that is part of their God-given gift and assignment that the Lord brings wealth to them in a supernatural way. That's not what we're talking about. God can use your ability to gain wealth. In fact, we see that scripture says he gives that ability. It's the love of money. It's your perspective of it. And so we want you to understand that you have a unique purpose and a unique role. And the second question we have for you that's going to help you really check your perspective on how you see money and wealth has to do with this idea. Number two, what is real stewardship? So number one was what is real security? 
Number two is what is real stewardship? Now, stewardship can kind of sound like a churchy word sometimes, but really all it means is management. Stewardship is godly management, handling things God's way. And one of the lies that we talked about that spirit tries to confuse us with, one of the lies that that spirit sells us is that what I have belongs to me. Right. It is mine. Anybody got little children oh that maybe one of their first words, mine, no, mine, mine, right? I, I remember even this week in my desperate attempt to pull my kids away from screens. Now, we don't want you to be pulled away from screens. <laughs> Just for no, now. no, no, <laughs> no, but I, I literally, my kids are, this is my confession to you. My homeschooling mom failed. My kids are locked into screens, man. And I don't even, we don't even pull them away from them most of the time because we got work to do too. You know, yeah. what's up? Okay. But I, in my desperate attempts, I went on Amazon and I thought I'll buy them Legos. Like they have the big Legos, but I thought the little ones because they both have such brilliant engineer minds anyway. And so I thought this will be amazing in my head because it was 10 bucks a piece for the two uh, sets. I thought it'd be like a thousand Legos. You know, I mean, it's just little plastic. How much could it possibly take? Oh no, no, no. They were like tiny little packages. It was pitiful. Anyway, But my kids were excited. And so they opened, each of them had their own package. They're sitting at the kitchen table. So I walk into the other room, I start working. And then all of a sudden, my children that are supposed to be enjoying something that I gave them, they're supposed to be using it to be creative, to love each other, to interact with each other, to bless each other, all of these things. No, 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 what do I hear? Mine. Mine. Don't touch that one, that was mine. That was mine. That was mine. And so what do I do? I end up having to wedge myself in between the two of them and going, actually, it's all mine. Hello. The Lord doesn't do that with us. But friends, we do see that the Lord, everything we have truly is the Lord's. And so I want you to understand in this idea of stewardship, It has everything to do with the way we handle what God has given to us. And I got to tell you, as your pastors, we have a godly, a healthy fear and reverence for what God has given us to manage. Even in CFAN, even in being your pastors in this amazing facility, all the things, we go to bed at night understanding that to whom much has been given, much is required. And we want to make sure that we're handling everything that God has loaned to us in a godly way. Yeah. So how, how are you managing what he's placed in your hands? And it goes back to that that word perspective. I, I just, it's, I think perspective is is so important. Every day, you should just do a little uh, personal inventory of uh, of what the Lord provides for you. I think we take so much for granted, babe. You know what I mean? And and so I think uh, as you take your walk with your dog, just kind of go through the checklist of of 
everything that he's provided for you. And what happens is your per- perspective will shift. Your, your mind will go from scarcity uh, to knowing that he is our provider. Now, I understand. I'm not naive. I know that every one of our situations is drastically different right now. I've, I can't tell you how many people I feel like I've talked to over the course of the last, I don't know, just even two weeks who, who've lost their job, who've been furloughed. And, and so I, I understand that we're all in drastically different situations, but man, a little perspective, a little encouragement, man, we, we're, you know, compared to the rest of the globe, man, uh, we are so blessed. The very simple reality that we live here in the United States in 2020, man, that alone, we have options. There's so many people across the globe that don't have any options. They're really, really, really stuck. And so if, if we just even get some of that in our mind, that, that we as a nation, yeah, we're in this economic downturn right now, but man, we are so blessed in comparison to the rest of the world and not because of not because we're more deserving uh, just simply for some reason and, and I don't even know if I have the answer to it but for some reason God continues to bless this land and so I think that's so important just to get a fresh dose of perspective there look at this passage of scripture here that is connected to what we're talking about here as far as stewardship as far as management first chronicles chapter 29 this is so good this is so good uh, David, we know King David. This was, uh, God said he, a man, the scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. So he was aligned with the ways of God. He flowed in the ways of God and, and God had his hand on King David. Look what he says. What it says here is David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. David is acknowledging that it all comes from him. It'll always be his, despite the way we see it. It's all God's. And he says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And here's, here is what I want you to take away. And that is verse 12. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Friends, when we can begin to understand that everything that we have, everything that we're going to get in the future, it all comes from God and it's all on loan to us, for us to steward, for us to manage what he's placed in our hands that we're called to open our hands and leave our hands open. It's not a closed fist response when we get it. No, we leave it open. And when we do that, and when we have that perspective that it's all his, that it's on loan to us, I'm telling you, it will change the way that we approach finances. We'll begin to understand that what is in our hand, the resources that we have, the provision that he's loaned us is 100% for his glory for his purposes, for his kingdom. And here's what, and you know what? Uh, He's God and he could stop right there. And that could just be the way it is, but it's not just the way it is because he allows us to be connected to those purposes and to his kingdom. And he resources us 
to utilize the gifts and the resources and the provision that we have to, to live out our specific assignments and purposes that are connected to his grand master plan of the kingdom. And so that's, that is, if we approach it like that, everything changes. So some of you need to begin to recognize this when it, when it, uh, it pertains to your children. Our children are on loan. They're not ours. It, when we begin to look at our children as God's children, man, we'll, our relationship, it'll totally change for the good, yeah. right? Your, your work, your relationships, your marriage, your spouse. She's not mine. She's his. And when I see it like that, I love you and I treat you differently. I honor you that much more. And so, man, if we can get this, and I'm talking to me today, if I can get a fresh perspective and a dose of this, man, uh, things begin to change. And so we want you to know that. So, so that's the second question here. We'll put it on, back on the board. What is, what is real stewardship? What is real management? Leads into this third question as the band comes back that we believe will help you check your perspective on how you see your money. And that is, what is really sacred? Yeah. That word sacred simply means to be holy, to be set apart for God. Go to the book of Leviticus chapter 27. This is the Old Testament. This is what scripture says, Leviticus 27, verse 30. Question is, what is really sacred? It says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. That first tenth is sacred. It's his. Scripture is clear that we're supposed to give it back to him, that it flows through us. And we believe this, friends, and we live by this. And once again, if this is offensive to you, please know you won't hurt our feelings at all if you click off of this right now. You will come back next week. We're doing the Mother's Day thing. It'll be fun. There'll be chocolate and all the fun stuff. But man, uh, I'm telling you right now, we, we, we practice this as a church. We practice this, this principle of tithing in our own uh, family. In our this has is, this is made our relationship better and stronger because we've applied this principle of tithing. It's so important. I think it's important to understand, again, and we've said it a couple of times, friends, we're not introducing these principles to you for Church for All Nations. This is not because we need something, okay? This is because you need something. You need it. Your family needs it. Your children, whether they're born yet or not, they need it. Their children and their children's children, exactly what we were just praying over you in the song that we just sang. Those blessings, friend, this will not have a bearing on whether you go to heaven or not. This is not that but it will have a bearing on how powerfully God can move in and through your life. And I love the way it is unpacked in the book of Malachi. If you know anything about the book of Malachi, God's chosen people who he desperately love, they are complaining because God's presence, his power is not with them anymore. God's powerful presence has literally been removed from them because he didn't love them. No, 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 he loved them. 
But he unpacks in the first four chapters of Malachi, he unpacks reasons why he and his presence, why he didn't feel welcome in their lives. Decisions that they had made that caused him to pull back, not meaning he didn't love them, he loved them, but decisions that they made that let him know that his presence wasn't welcome in those areas. If you look in the first chapter, you'll see that God approaches the idea of their worship. He says, look, you're not, you're not bringing me your best. You're bringing me animals that are, that are blind. The, you would have killed these animals anyway. This is not a sacrifice to you. This is your, your worship. You're not bringing your best. And so I, I know that, that you're not desiring for me to be in the midst of your worship. In the second chapter, he unpacks the issues with their relationships. He says, I want to bless you. You're my chosen kids, but I can't bless you when you're treating your spouse this way. I can't, I can't put my stamp on something that doesn't look, it doesn't look like me. I, you're not loving each other the way I've called you to, which shows me that you don't want me to be in the middle of this. And in chapter three, he begins to unpack the poor decisions that they've made with their possessions and with their money. And I want to look at it together. Malachi chapter three, starting in verse six. This first part of verse 6 is so important to help us understand that it is still very much a reality for us today. Verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. I'm going to read that again. I, the Lord, do not change. Verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. What's he saying? You keep thinking that you have a better way. You keep thinking that your way is better than mine. You keep thinking that you know better. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, oh, how, how are we to return? Verse 8, God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, Lord? He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse. I'm going to pause there. That is not God cursing them. That is them removing the blessing that he desires for them, removing themselves from out from under it. And so many of us do that. He says, you're under a curse, you and your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Well, how do we fix it, Lord? Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, circle storehouse. Friends, I got to tell you, we as your pastors at Church for All Nations, God has given us a very specific vision of us being a storehouse for this entire region. And God has made it come to pass in such a powerfully physical, practical way that we are so proud to be your pastors. That we, in this time of desperate need, people can look to Church for All Nations as a true storehouse. Look at the rest of this verse. That there may be food in my house, in the middle of a pandemic, food in my storehouse. Not a place of poverty where we're begging you for something. No, 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 no. And also not a cruise ship where people are just relaxing and not caring about what's going on around them. A storehouse 
for everyone around them, especially in a time of need. Scripture says, the Lord says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'm going to stop there. We don't give to get. You need to hear that principle, friends. We don't give back to the Lord to get from Him. We give to give because He is a good God. But so much of that, we don't understand that when we give to Him, that is the automatic response. And look, not only is He opening the floodgates, look at verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields. They won't drop their fruit before it gets ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations, maybe you want to put in uh, all neighbors, Then all your neighbors, your friends and family watching you, they'll call you blessed. They'll go, whoa, whoa, wait, what are you doing? How come you're so blessed? How come your family so full of joy and peace? How come, how, what's different about you? That's what he's talking about. He says, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now I know some of you, I can hear it right now in your spirits. Maybe you're even saying it out loud. Uh, Pastor Ashley, that's Old Testament law. We're not under the law. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. This is Old Testament law. And friends, you and I are not under that Old Testament law anymore. Praise God. So in the Old Testament, they had to do it. But today, because we're operating under the new covenant that Jesus provided, we get to do it. We don't have to do it. Our salvation is not dependent on this. We get to do it. We get to set apart the first tenth of whatever God allows us to produce, whatever He gives us. We're allowed to set apart that first tenth to make it sacred, to make it holy, to give it back to Him. And I have to tell you, I was even laying in bed last night thinking through all of the elements of Old Testament law and how not only did Jesus fulfill them all, Jesus always took them further. Did you notice that? Jesus always took what was a law and made it so much more extreme. Why? Because it was always a heart issue. It is always a heart issue. If you have a, a, an issue with tithing, friends, I want to challenge you. Check your heart. It is a heart issue. Because in the Old Testament, where the law said don't murder, Jesus said, yeah, of course, don't murder. But I'm going to take it further. If you hate your brother, it's like you're murdering. Whoa, Jesus, that's extreme. Yeah, yeah, it is. He, he took it further. He said, oh yeah, I know the law says to love your neighbor, but I'm telling you, you got to love your enemies. Not just the ones that love you. You got to love the ones that hate you. Jesus always took it further. And if you look in the New Testament, this he takes further too. Because he talks about when you give. And if you look at the New Testament church, friends, they didn't give just a tenth. They gave so much more. Some gave everything. And so we want to encourage you today. We want you to understand that God has so much more for you. And this is not about us getting anything. This is about you getting to walk in the fullness of what God has provided. We we want the blessing of God in our life. 
And as you were just reading that right now, there I, I found comfort in that that he that he promises that he's going to bless. I'm not just talking about, you know, with more money or anything like that. I'm just talking about the the that, that's not the real blessing. It's the blessing of his hand being on us and. And there's so much that we have to be grateful for. That's the the blessing I'm talking about. Is far supersedes finances. And man, we've we've been so blessed to tap into that. In fact, I can remember you and I were joking about it this week. I can remember going, uh, I, man, every detail of it. Going to uh, ask uh, my father-in-law uh, for permission to ask. I wasn't even sure if you're going to say yes, but uh, just permission to uh, you know pop the question and that's another story for another time and and uh, it was a terrifying moment for me uh but we got through it but my takeaway from that little meeting was he asked me one question he said son are you a tither are you a giver are are you obedient in this area of your life and i said yeah <laughs> i think so you know my my daddy taught me well uh Yes, yes, sir. I, I, was, I, I was confident I could say yes to him. And he said, well, good, because I need the blessing of God to stay on my daughter and your future children. And to this day, that resonates with me every single day of my life. And we've been married now over 10 years, and we have two beautiful children. And, and uh, there's obviously been some rough financial spots in our life, but... As far as I know, we've, we've just continued to stay faithful in this area of tithing. And the, and the Lord's kept his hand on us. He's blessed us. And we're just so grateful that by simply just applying this one little principle here uh, has, has uh, sustained us all this time. And, you know, I was even thinking about one of our spiritual mentors uh, who taught us this little principle. It has to do with the first four words that we read in scripture, Genesis 1, verse 1. This is what it says. The very first thing that we read at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, 1, the first four words says this, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Meaning he's always been first. He'll always be first. How does that apply to our lives? We need to make him first in all that we do. So from a very practical sense, the beginning of January, we give the first 21 days back to God through prayer and fasting. Our church comes together, and for 21 days in the month of January, sometimes it doesn't fall right on January 1, but right around there, we we give the first part of our year, the first 21 days to God right now. It's the, it's the first of the week. Not only that, it's the first of the month. It's the beginning of May. It's pretty cool. And, and, and you're already doing it. You're giving, you're giving the, the, the very best. Not I mean, I love having church on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday, but man, it's different. The Sabbath is different. And so you give that to God and you're already doing that right now. Every day you can do this. When you wake up in the morning, you take a walk in the morning, just give your date, give your very best to him and and this is connected to our finances too and it'll change your life yeah and even the first commandment right the first commandment exodus 20 
says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Friends, it's not that you can't have things. It's not that you can't have money. The Lord, the Lord provides so many incredible things for so many of us. We want you to know that's not against God's will. He just said, don't put them before me. He said, I need to be first. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, but Pastor Ashley, I can't, I can't afford this tithing thing. I get it. I get that it's hard. I get that it feels daunting. That's why the Lord says, test me. He says, test me. I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you. Just test me. Just try it. Just try it. His principles are so sound. And friend, you'll never be able to afford it until you do. You'll never be able to afford it until you just take that leap of faith and do it because his word says it and because you and generations to follow need it. And you can't afford not to. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's so important. And so we're going to pray for you right now. And once again, we hope that uh, you heard our hearts on this matter. We, We hope that this uh, this we, we uh, this wasn't misunderstanding for you or anything like that. We we hope it wasn't offensive. Uh, we we just really we've we've worked these principles in our own life, in our family, uh, because of it's been modeled to us. And I'm so honored to be a part of a church where so many uh, of Church for All Nations folks they understand this. And I, I, we, we didn't even touch on the word generosity. <laughs> this is just an obedience thing, the above and beyond thing. You want to talk about, oh, we'll, we'll save that for another day. But I'll, we want to pray for you in this area. And specifically, a couple of questions here. The first question pertains to what we opened this presentation with, and that is security. Maybe you're watching right now and you feel a sense of, uh, of lost the, the idea of being secure, you, you feel that um, you're, you're being attacked from every, every direction in your marriage, in your finances. You, you've lost your sense of security. And I want you to know today that if you're simply 100% pursuing wealth to find that financial security, I want you to know it's an illusion. It's an illusion. You'll never be fully secure uh, through that exercise, through that those practices. But today, I can assure you that there is a hope. There is a security that you can find in Jesus Christ. We we have we have close friends who had all the money in the world, uh, who loved God, and through uh, circumstances lost it all. Uh, and when they had lost it all, they still had a smile on their face. And I was like, man, how are they still smiling? In fact, I asked one of the gentlemen that in the middle of this crisis, he had, he had gained a lot of wealth, loved the Lord, but then he lost all the money. And he just smiled at me and said, you know what, Jeff? I, I don't find my security. I don't find my identity and my in money. It's all gone now. Uh, I'm secure in the Lord. And you, and you know what's, you know, what's interesting at that, uh, these years later, he got it all back. <laughs> it's just because he he just practiced these principles. Maybe today you're here and you say, I want that. I, I want to I want to find my security in Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. Just I want you to connect with me through this virtual platform right where you're at and say a little prayer like this. Lord, 
uh, I, I just feel um, upside down in my life. There's chaos all around me. I, 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 f- I feel a sense of vulnerability where I'm just, the attacks are on. I feel lost. I'm scared every single day. Uh, I just deal with anxiety, panic. It, it affects everything. And really, now that I really, really look at what's going on in my life, really has a whole lot to do with the way I approach my finances. And so, Lord God, I want to I want to give you that. I want to give you my fear, and I want to replace it with your peace, your encouragement, your spirit. Jesus, today, uh, on the first Sunday of the month of May, 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, I give my life to you. Come into my life. I believe in you. Uh, I believe in who you say that you are. I receive you. Come into my life so that I can I can find my identity and my ultimate security in you. That when money comes, when money goes, uh, I don't waver. I don't fear because I'm 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 I'm, I'm grounded. I stand on the cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. One more question, and then we'll close a final prayer. And that is, maybe you love the Lord. Uh, I've talked to a handful of different people that have lost their job. I've talked to business owners that are just in complete chaos and fear right now. And these these are Christians. And um, maybe that's you. And today, you've had a little bit of a perspective shift. Uh, And you're here today and and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me in this area of stewardship and management and the sacred, the sacred part of this area of my life, the spiritual component of my finances? Would you pray for me that I would look at the provision that the Lord's provided uh, in a different way, that, that that I would put all of my hope in Jesus, that I would manage what I have in a godly way, in the way that he has for me, and that I would, I would keep sacred what is sacred, that I would apply these principles of the firsts, my best, to God and his kingdom. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for my friends who are receiving your word today. I pray that it would, it would just take root in uh, the soil of their heart right now, Lord God, that, f- that they would bear fruit. Lord, some of them are discouraged right now. I pray that you would just give them peace and hope. I thank you right now that you're reminding a business owner right now that you are her provider, that you are going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I pray for that person who's gotten the pink slip and they don't know when they're going to get a call back to come back to work. They've been furloughed or whatever that looks like. God, give them peace right now. May they be reminded that it all comes from you. It's all yours on loan to us for your glory, for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.